We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the midst of our series, What Happens? A look at what happens when we put God and His plans first in our finances. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. As I was researching for today's message, I came across this interesting job that people have. And it is actually some people's jobs to go around and ask for people's money for their nonprofit. Right? So you like get paid to ask for people's money, right? Interesting job. And so they'll go around and they'll set up meetings with people who have large amounts of money and hoping that they will then invest into the nonprofit or the charity or whatever that you're working for, right? So these two sisters in Chicago, they set up this meeting with this really rich person, really rich businessman. He had invested in property, in businesses, uh, made some like super good investments, I think in the stock market or something, and just had all these returns, lots of money, more money than he even knew what to do with, okay? So these two sisters are like, this is the person. If we can get him on board, our charity will be set. And what they, they, they're raising money for was a food pantry that was in one of the poorest neighborhoods of Chicago. So they were saying, hey, if you can donate enough money to us, we will be set to be able to provide not only food, but clothing, as well as housing for people that desperately need it in our city. And this businessman was just sitting there, just like listening, hearing everything, you know, it's like, and after a while, after they presented all their statistics, all their things, you know, and he's just kind of sitting there. And he's like, you know, you're right. I have a lot of money. And a lot of people come and ask me for my money. But did you know that my own mother needs 24-hour nursing care? And the two ladies are like, no, we didn't know that. I'm sorry to hear that. Okay. Did you know my own sister is raising eight children by herself? Wow, okay. No, didn't know that. Did you know my own son is in a drug rehab center and needs so much help, and one of my sons is stuck overseas? I'm sorry. Like, apparently you have a lot of family issues going on, right? A lot of people need your money. And he said, why would you think that if I don't even give them a single dollar, I would help you. <laughs> Ouch. Well, my name is Gail, I'm a pastor here, and this morning we're starting a brand new series called What Happens? And the series is all about what happens when we allow God to have control of our money. Our money. That's the one sermon you like, no, I knew it. The church is always talking about money. I like regret being here, right? That is the one thing that you wish that we would never talk about. And we have a bad rep as a church for not handling money well, right? So before you judge me and this church and you walk out of here, let me tell you what this series is going to not be about. Okay, what it's not going to be about. The series is not going to be about how you have to give more money to the church. 
Okay? Right off the bat. That's not what this series is about. This series is not going to be about how if you invest X amount of dollars, I can guarantee three times as much in your mailbox next week. That's not what it's going to be about. Okay? This series is not going to be about how if you give a certain amount of money, we can guarantee a position of influence or something like that. That's not what it's going to be about. And you can go somewhere else for that. I'm sure you'll find it. All right. But that is not what we are going to talk about. And, and you know, joking aside, that is a real problem, right? Those are some things that you will find in the church. And unfortunately, the church is full of broken, messy people that have pursued money and power. And you don't have to look too far in our history to find those things at the core of the church. And so we don't want to go into that, right? We don't want to go into that. But I also want to let you, you, you know, that as I read this, this, this book, the Bible, I see some interesting things, some interesting things. Did you know that Jesus, half of the stories that Jesus talked about were to do with money? There's 500 verses in the Bible on prayer, 500 verses on faith, and 2,000 on money. This topic was so important that Jesus spent more time talking about it than prayer, faith, heaven, and hell combined was money. So if we're a church that wants to preach through the Bible, that wants to know what God's words actually have to say, and if we want to be willing to go to the hard places, do you think we need to talk about money? <laughs> Even if people have messed it up, right? Even if the church has messed it up, does that mean we should avoid it? I don't think so, right? And so I know this is painful to sit through sometimes, <laughs> and I probably get the most like critical feedback when I preach on money. People are like, just, it gets us all uptight, right? And that's okay, but it doesn't scare me enough to stop doing it, right? So if we're a church that wants to continue to preach the Bible, we're going to go to these places. And if you're sitting here, you're like, you know, I don't really agree with the Bible. Like, that's nice. Well, let me tell you some statistics, okay? Some statistics. Financial problems are the largest contributing cause of marital stress and divorce. Financial stress is one of the leading causes of anxiety and depression. The average amount of debt in the U.S. is $8,000. If you made the minimum payment on an $8,000 credit card, how many years would it take you to pay that off? Any guess? 15. 15? Okay, three times that, okay. It's 54 years. 54 years if you make the minimum payment and it's an 18%, which I think that's actually kind of low. It's like credit card offers like 25%, you know? So, and 40% of American families just in the US spend more than they earn. And the personal savings in the United States within the 1980s was 8% of your income would be savings, right? How much you made you have in savings. The average now is less than 2%, right? We are living far more beyond our means now than ever before. And if all this is true alone, I feel like this is something that we should talk about, right? It's like the elephant in the room that we should not avoid. So that's why this series, and within this series, we're gonna be asking the question, what happens? What happens when we follow God's plans for our money? What happens when we submit to God even in our finances? And we're going to be talking for the next couple weeks on this, but this morning specifically I want to ask what happens when we trust God with our money? When we trust God with our money. So if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And by the way, that includes tech devices. I'm like having my 
iPad right here. It's got the Bible on it. It's amazing. If you want a free Bible printed, Teresa's right there by the table. She would gladly give you one if you want to raise your hand. She can probably, or Brennan, or someone can run it one over to you. But we give them away. It's free. Someone actually asked me uh, earlier, was like, can I have one of those? Yeah, they're free. I say it every week. Just take one. So we're going to spend the majority of our time in this section of the Bible, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Look at me at verse 19. Verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths, remember that word from me? Moths. And vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break it and seal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is a great place to start if we want to talk about money. Because not only is this usually connected with money. You've probably heard where your heart is. You know, the treasure will be also. Uh, but Jesus also is the one who is saying this. Right? This is Jesus' words himself. He's preaching and speaking and in these few short sentences, he takes what we think we know about money and flips it upside down. Kind of wrecks our worldview, the way we view money. And he gives us a new way of thinking, of looking at money. What does he say? Do not store up for yourselves what? Right. Treasures. It's not on the screen. You guys know it. Do not store up for yourselves treasures. But what, what are some treasures that we store up on earth? Money, possessions, property, possessions, property. property. yeah. iPhones. <laughs> Lots of iPhones. <laughs> Tech, yeah. How about how about a stockpile of candy bars that you keep under your bed? That's a treasure, okay? You like you you, you, you like got everyone from like the the Halloween outreach we did. You were the one coming by grabbing a bunch, right? Or as may have said, the iPhones, the tech, or maybe even that 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 box of cash you buried at Warren Park, right? <laughs> Only you know where it's at. No, she's like, how did you know? <laughs> All those things are definitely some treasures, especially the candy bars, right? But here's, as I was thinking about this, what is treasure? The two words that come to mind are money or possessions. Money or possessions. You know, because when you usually hear the word treasure, you think like from movies or books or something like gold or jewels, right? That's what we think of as treasure. So I'm giving myself some falling off my ear. We think of treasure, but the only reason that gold is worth anything to us because it's worth what? Money, right? There's a reason you don't collect aluminum foil, right? <laughs> you collect gold because it's worth something, right? It, it has what? Value, right? Treasure is something that has value. And in this specific context, he's it, meaning far more than like, man, I'm so thankful that my grandma knitted me this sweater, right? I treasure this sweater. No, that's not the kind of treasure. He's talking about the kind of treasure that has value far beyond just what you think of it, right? Like the worldly treasures. So I want you to replace that word treasure with money and possessions. Look what Jesus says. Do not store up, notice, for yourself. Do not store up for yourself. Money or possessions here on earth. And why does Jesus say this? Look what he says. Because moths and vermin destroy and thieves break in and steal. Jesus tells us not to store up our possessions, not to store up our money, our valuable things on earth because 
they can so easily fade away. Even if you were able to get a million dollars in the bank, there is no guarantee that some crafty person won't be able to get in there and take it from you, right? You wake up in the morning, your identity's stolen, it's gone. It can happen. Believe me, it's happening all the time. Even if you got the most expensive Gucci handbag that everybody likes, oh, there you got the status. And then you accidentally leave it by your dog. And it gets eaten, right? It is not eternal value, right? Like that Gucci handbag is worth, well, I don't even know, like insane amount of money, right? Or if you even reach the height of it all, you saved up enough money to get the ultimate status symbol, a Tesla, right? <laughs> you get a Tesla, right? But there's this horrible thing in Chicago where rats will cry, climb into your car and eat the wires in your car, which there are some people here who's like, yeah, I get a witness, right? There's like, people, this has happened too. You, it doesn't matter how much money you spent, the rats like it just the same, okay? And they will eat it and ruin your thousand dollar, thousands of dollar purchase, right? And this is what Jesus is pointing to when he tells you not to store up for yourself money and possessions here on earth because there's really no guarantee that it will not fade away. Look what Jesus follows with. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And this is where Jesus is flipping our worldview, right? He's telling us all those things you think that have so much value. Whatever you want to put on there, right? Gold bars, full bank account, uh, the newest phone, the stuff you think matters so much that you spend your whole life chasing and building up for yourself. All of that actually doesn't carry that much value. You think it does, but it can disappear so quickly, yeah. right? You can, you can so easily see it disappear before your eyes, but do you want to actually get some treasure that will never lose value? Do you actually want to have some possessions that never wore out? Some things that can't get stolen? What does he say? Focus on getting treasure in heaven. If you're asking a question like me, okay, how do I do this? Okay. He says, here's a couple of verses. A little bit later in Matthew. He says, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you that person will certainly not lose their reward. They will not lose their reward. If you help someone out for my name, you will receive some sort of reward. First Timothy 6. We read 2 Timothy for the last like forever weeks. But here in 1 Timothy... This is Paul again writing to Timothy, and he says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Look at this, verse 18. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up what? Treasure. Sorry, she didn't put the slide. I don't know. In this way, they will lay up what? Treasure. treasure. They will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is like the most powerful verse. That you will lay up treasure for yourself so that you can take hold of the life that is truly life. 
Here's the secret to building treasure in heaven, of building something that is guaranteed to last. It says, do good, be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. That's how you build up treasure in heaven. And this falls right in line with this other quote from Jesus. This is the only quote from Jesus that's not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Okay, it's not in there, but it's quoted in Acts, and it says, Jesus himself said in Acts 20, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So here's my goal. I told you I want to I help lay a foundation of, can we trust God with our money, right? Can we trust God with our money? Here's the first important truth that you have to know. In order to trust God with my money, I have to believe that giving is more valuable than getting. Okay? I have to believe that giving is more valuable than getting. This is the first truth to trusting God with your money. And honestly, even allowing your worldview to kind of change, we have to start with this. It kind of breaks our mentality. Like, how many of you, you give a Christmas gift, you know, but you expect someone to give you one back, right? And if someone doesn't give you a Christmas gift back, you're like, next year, you're getting nothing from me, okay? Right? That's the season to get, okay? That's what we think, right? Jesus tells us the opposite. In order to build eternal wealth, to take hold of the life that is truly life, you have to be willing to give your possessions and money away. That's what he says. Specifically, it says you need to live a holy life. It says to live a good life. It says doing good things. That will build up wealth in, in heaven, but also being generous. You have to believe that you're more blessed when you give stuff than when you get stuff. And you can't go much further with your money until you wrestle with this truth. That, that, that's kind of the underlying truth of, of what makes the kingdom of God work. And usually the kingdom of God is the opposite of what we would think. Right? You thought, everyone thought, Jesus coming down to this earth would be through ruling on a throne. Even his disciples that followed him for years were like, when are you going to take over the world? And then he goes and gets killed. He was redeeming us, restoring us, bringing us back into relationship with God, but it was the flip of how we normally think about it. That's how the kingdom of God you'll find. The kingdom of God is actually most of the time the opposite of what the world would do. And that's also true of our money, our possessions, our values. It's giving that brings value to the kingdom of God, not building up our own kingdom, getting things. And I'm just like the rest of you. You know, I hear this and it sounds like one of those scams, right? Like, give money and you'll get invisible money later. <laughs> right? Sounds great, right? That's how every, everyone was like, no, thank you, God. I'll take the physical money now, right? Like, this doesn't make sense. But as you read the story of God, how God works, there's this principle throughout the whole Bible of believing by faith rather than sight. Right? God works by allowing us to move forward in faith, not by what we can see. And so in a way, it is giving away for invisible money later. And that's how God works. He's saying, hey, when you give, you won't be able to see the treasure that is being built up in heaven. But it is there, and you have to trust me by faith. I'm just telling you Jesus' words, right? I'm not making this up. And it's hard for us to align with that because this, the kingdom of God goes so contrary to the kingdom that we are a part of every day. Where you are hustling and driving to build up your kingdom, your savings account, your wealth. Every TV show, uh, uh, motivational speaker, 
anyone you hear a podcast from is going to tell you that's what's most important. But God's kingdom is built by giving away. Am I breaking your mind a little bit? (laughs) That means, listen, it's more valuable to help a person, that person who is in desperate need of a meal, than it is for you to get your third Starbucks of the day. Okay? Everybody like that status symbol with a little idol on it, you know, the Starbucks cup. Right? That shows you got money enough to buy a $5 cup of coffee. Right? That, you know, that means it's more valuable to invest into ministries, which is building up God's kingdom. Right? It's more valuable to invest into missionaries who are sharing Christ with people who have never heard of. It's even more valuable to invest into the ministry of the church that is in, if it's a if it's a kingdom building church than it even is to build up your own possessions. It's even more than it is to have your mortgage paid off or to own some property. He's saying that's what he's saying, right? Like it's more important to build up treasure in heaven than treasure here. I'm not telling you this is easy. I'm not telling you it won't mess with you. Look how Jesus finishes this. He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus knows this. He knows that naturally we follow the things that we value. And really, as I was looking at this, you know, treasure most of the time comes to mind for me. I think of like dragons sitting on piles of treasure, right? David knows I'm talking about. Hobbit, right? And uh, I'm not calling him a hobbit. So <laughs> uh, there's a dragon in there that just like sits on this huge hoard of treasure. And do dragons go and spend the money? No. No, they don't go out to the dragon store and buy a nice coat for themselves or something. Right? No, they love to just sit on it and look at it and like pet it, right? And that's how we are as humans a lot of times. We like to build up our wealth and our values, and we just like to stare at it, right? Like you got to check your bank account like every five minutes, and like, you know, and you, you you like to have nice things, so it looks like you're you've got wealth, and like that's how we are a lot. And Jesus says, whatever you put your wealth into, your heart follows that. And it's one of the most important principles. A lot of times we think, oh, I'm leading my money, right? No, your heart is getting pulled along. Wherever your money goes, right? You're like investing into the kingdom. Your heart starts to follow there. You start to value more what God's values are when we give our money towards that. And some of us, you know, I was just thinking about it. It's like, it's hard for us sometimes to have, like, we feel like we're distant from God and we feel like, man, I just can't like experience his presence. And I just wonder sometimes if it's because we're withholding we're being stingy. We're holding on to everything he's blessed us with. When we, if we were to give it away, it would allow our hearts to experience what God is wanting to do in your life. It has to start with us rethinking how we build wealth, how we build wealth. Let's keep moving. Skip back in the same chapter. Look at verse 1. Verse 1. Jesus speaking here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus tells us another important principle about trusting God. He tells us it matters what you are motivated by. He tells us it matters what you are motivated by. He says you can do the greatest things in the world. Save someone from falling off a bridge. Rescue a puppy that was stuck in the mud. Pay off somebody's like $100,000 in school debt. 
But if you do it for all the wrong things, the wrong reasons, to look good, to impress people, to open some doors, it's worthless. God's like, oh, there you go. You got your reward. Right? In the kingdom of God, it matters the motivation. You're like, if you thought this was hard enough already. <laughs> right? He's like flipping everything. He's like, I don't even want you to give for the wrong reasons. Right? God says, I want you to do good things for my sake, not for your own sake. I want you to do things not because it will make you look good, but because it will make me look good. Look at the next verse. He connects it to money. Verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Right? That's like the equivalent of like posting on your social media, right? Just donated two dollars. Right? <laughs> oh yeah. Feeling blessed. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Right? You just got like five likes, you know? <laughs> Great. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will what? Reward you. Remember the word? Reward, treasure. It seems like there's this theme that God is building up our wealth in heaven to the way we live here. Second important truth to be able to trust God with your money. Second important truth. In order to trust God with my money, I have to value God's approval more than I do people's. Than I do other people, right? And this is where it gets hard. These points kind of build in intensity. Because even if you're convinced by Jesus' early statements that it's better to give than to receive, now you have to wrestle with the fact that it's not just better to give, it's better to give the right way. Right? And you start, you know, if you start giving, the second trap you can fall into is trying to give in order to impress people, in order to manipulate people. You know, it's, it's true, you probably know this, but people find ways to even mess up giving, right? Like we can manipulate people. Did you know, Brooke and I were watching a documentary, this whole, like, you know, this Ivy League school, like, enrollment scandal stuff. Uh, that. They found out that if you donate enough money, the school will relook at your child's application. Right? They're like, oh yeah, he didn't even barely graduate school, but oh, you know, look at, yeah, I think we got a spot for you, right? That they found out that they were schools were doing this, right? If you have enough money, you can get a building named after you, right? You can have awards given to you, right? If you give away enough money. If you give enough money, you can even get on a board, have power and influence. Giving away money, I'm telling you, it's it's not always just not receiving. Sometimes you receive for those things, right? And what Jesus is saying is nothing new. It was happening back then. It was happening. It's happening now. We see. I see a physical story of it even happening. The story that is told in the scriptures that Jesus was sitting outside of the temple, which is like the church. And they would have these huge metal boxes where people would come and drop big barrels of coins in, right? They're like, give me the smallest you got. I'll get, I'll take pennies, right? So you drop it in, it just sounds like your metal rain, right? Like, <laughs> and people would be dropping in huge bags of money in order to impress everyone. You remember that earlier verse? That's like, with trumpets on the side, you know, like making sure everyone knows, look at what I'm doing, how great am I? 
And so they're sitting at the temple watching this happen. All these people are just dumping in money, all these coins. And this old woman slowly walks towards the front. She's probably getting like pushed out of the way or whatever, and she kind of gets up there and she drops in two small coins. They're probably as quickly like pushed aside as more people are like, check this out! You know? And Jesus is like, Everybody come over here! Look at that lady! Right there, she's walking. Right there, right there, right there. And they're like, what? What'd she do? She gave more money than everybody else combined! How much did she give, Jesus? He's like, no, 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 you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. She gave out of what little she had to live on. And get this, she did it without anyone noticing. While you have all these other people giving out of their abundance and for show. And there's a deeper issue we're going to dive into in the next few weeks. A deeper uh, message here on how God values sacrificial giving. But if you just look at the surface of this alone, you see this poor woman quietly dropping into coins. And get this, no one would have noticed. But one person does. And it's the most important person to notice. Right? Who is the person that you're genuinely trying to give money for? Everybody should be giving money for that situation. God, and he's sitting right there. And he sees this woman put the two coins in. No one else noticed except the most important person, the only person that mattered did notice. And that's true of each of us when we give in secret as what the scriptures is saying. No one else may notice. It may not even seem like a crazy amount compared to like, you know, Bill Gates Foundation or whatever. But God knows how much you gave, how much it cost you, and that you did it for Him. Notice, Jesus is watching all this and it was the woman who gave, the woman gave because she cared about God's approval. And that's what we have to know. We have to value God's approval more than we value other people for their money. Finally, finally, last section in the same chapter. We're just looking all through Matthew 6. Look at chapter 6, verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, therefore, it's referring backwards, to the section we talked about first. Treasure in heaven, building treasure in heaven, building treasure on earth, right? So therefore I tell you, because of that, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more, what? Valuable than they. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And this is where Jesus goes right to the heart. I think this is the most important part that we have to build trust, to build trusting on God. Because it's nice to have money for status, right? It's nice. It's nice to have money that you can just like kind of look cool with and like, you know, be able to give even. But what about me? I can't afford to pay next month's rent. I don't even know how I'm going to pay my phone bill, right? I, I, I need some new clothes. What, what, if I give everything away, if I give, 
How will I be provided for? And Jesus says to us, do not worry. You are valuable to me. You are valuable to me. I will provide for you. In order to trust God with my money, last thing, I have to know that God loves me. In order to trust God with my money, I have to know that God loves me. And this is probably the simplest but most profound truth that can help you see this morning. Because the deepest issue we have with our money most of the time is we think it's us versus the world, that I have to look out for myself, my own, right? And if you don't look out for your own, then no one else will. That's not what God is saying here. He's saying, take a look around, look at, he says, the birds, right? Think of it like this, look at the pigeons. Yeah, as David would say, the flying rats, okay? Look at the flying rats. How is it that they survive? Right? How is it that they, I wonder this, how do they continue to exist when it's negative 20, 40 out next spring you see them again? Right? How are there so many flying rats when we're not allowed to feed them? Right? Somehow they're still here in Chicago and God somehow provides for the flying rats. And Jesus is saying, if the flying rats get provided for, how much more yourself? Do you know? God loves you far more than the flying rats. Okay? He does. He cares about you. He wants a relationship with you. He loves you. Even in the midst of all your weirdness, inconsistencies, all that stuff. He still loves you. Right? And that's what the whole Bible story is about. It's about Jesus coming down to this earth and dying for you so that he can reconcile redeem you, have a relationship with you again, because our own messed up sinful hearts have gone completely opposite from God. And he chases us down to restore us. If he does all that, in spite of all of us, how much more will he provide for your needs? Now when you hear this this morning, God promises. That's what he's saying here. Do not worry. If I provide for the pigeons... I will provide for you. Now, I won't want you to miss this and just hear me on this. I'm talking about your needs, okay? Not your wants. That's kind of the hardest thing where we get messed up. You're like, come on, I just, this iPhone is like three years old. Everybody's laughing at me now, right? I need the new one, God, right? You know, or you, you may want a car, but that's not even a need, right? You may even want a healthy meal. You're like, I don't eat McDonald's. Okay, but I don't touch it. Okay, well, <laughs> this is nasty. I'm just telling you, that's a want, okay? That's a want, you know, not a need. And maybe we need to have a reevaluation, you know, look at the rest of the world probably would help us. What is a need? Look at what Jesus describes, verse 28. Verse 28. There it is. Therefore, no, verse 28. Do not, do not have them I'll read it. That's okay. Sorry, my fault. I didn't put it in there. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? You can follow that one. Chapter 6, verse 28, if you want. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Can I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these? If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, 
Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? <coughs> For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Notice that you need them, right? What are the three things? What we eat, what we drink, and what we wear. Your Father knows that you need them. Need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We probably take that out of context quite a lot. Right? I'm serving God's kingdom, so I deserve a spouse, right? Or a working car, or whatever it is. And he says, seek first his kingdom, and I'll make sure you have something to eat, something to drink, and something to wear. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. God says he will provide our needs. He will provide our needs. And as I was reading this, I'm like, you know, God promises to provide those. But let me tell you something. He usually provides so much more, okay? Because he is a good father who actually values you and promises to take care of you. Maybe it won't be the level of want that you would have for your life, okay? But God will not leave you on the street to die. He says, if you follow my kingdom, if you put that first, I'm going to provide for your needs. So I want us just to close our eyes as we close here. So I was, I was thinking, as, for us to trust God with something so hard as our money, this is the most important truth we could spend the next 30 minutes just sitting and dwelling on. Do I believe that God loves me? That that gospel story is true for me? That he cares about you in this very spot where you are in your life, despite all of the messed up mistakes you have made, the ways you've run from God, you believe that he still loves you. Not because of you, by the way, but because of Jesus and his grace over you. So I just want us to sit in just silence for just a minute. I just want you to just dwell on that fact. Allow that to break through maybe a wall kind of let it come up between you and God and in trust in Him. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.